everyone. Welcome to the Trail Live Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Stoner. Thank you for joining me on another uh, journey through the podcast airwaves. You know, I've had a few weeks off, took a vacation, and uh, feel re- refreshed and recharged and ready to get season four started here with this episode. I truly appreciate all of the support, the continued downloads uh, and listens. Thank you very much for that. Uh, and I'll keep trying to bring you really great content. So to get started, season four, I'm kicking it off with uh, the epitome of an ultra endurance athlete. It's such a great guest. Uh, he's ran across New York state. He biked from Florida to Alaska and most recently ran the length of uh, the country of Greece. Um, so there's a lot to get into with this conversation. There's a lot to, for him to share. So here we go. Welcome to the trail life, Alex Peckoff. The Trail Life Podcast is presented by Solomon. For 75 years, their passion for outdoor sports, new technologies, and craftsmanship have driven them to create progressive gear to enable you to freely enjoy and challenge yourself in the great outdoors. Today, Solomon has an incredible lineup of road and trail running footwear and hydration gear, perfect for any runner on any terrain, no matter the challenge. Check them out today at your local running store like Runner's Roost or on Solomon.com. The Trail Life Podcast is supported by Crisp Refreshing Polar Seltzer. Premium seltzer with just water, all natural fruit essences, and zillions of tiny bubbles. Polar Seltzer is a naturally calorie-free with no sweetener sodium, family-made since 1882. That's 140 years of making bubbles. Why be flat when you can sparkle? Looking for a polar near you? Go to polarseltzer.com or visit your local grocery store. Well, help me turn the turn in. Really, I love being able to talk to athletes like yourself, the, the ultra endurance athlete, the ones that go out there and, and just really push the boundary of what the human body and and mind can actually do. So it's really fun. I appreciate you jumping on. We're going to get into a lot of really cool things you've done. Most recently, uh, your trip to Greece. And uh, some of my listeners know, and I took a vacation. I was in Greece for two weeks. So it's like that for me is like really interesting and how, how we're getting into that. So thank you for being here. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. So in the same token, I've got a friend of mine currently doing the largest triathlon in, in history. He or he, st- he swam from the Florida Keys to Miami, has biked now from Miami to San Diego, and currently he is running from San Diego to San Francisco. Yeah, so you know, he, did you see this morning? He uh, super glued Band-Aids to his nipples. Yeah, oh, yeah, so you know, yeah. Justin. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I saw that and I was like, ooh, come on, man. <laughs> oh, my gosh, perfect. Yeah, so it's it, – I, you know, I – I had a chance to run with him while he was here in San Diego for, for a few uh, miles and stories that he's been able to share. And now this just adds on to the top of it. It's like I said, I, I love being able to to have these type of conversations because it, it definitely is way outside of what the regular athlete, you know, is used to doing and, and hearing and, and everything else. So it's, it's awesome. So, um, so yeah, let's just jump right into it. I, I'm, I'm kind of curious. This is the first time that you and I are meeting and I'm having a chance to talk. So I don't really know much about your backstory. How did you, when, when did you start running and what got you into the ultra running aspect of everything? 
Oh, I started running when I was really young. My uh, mom actually just started dragging me to 5Ks, like local races. And when I first started, I hated it. <laughs> it was like, it was miserable. My younger brother was actually faster than me. So that was like really, that was tough to deal with. I was like a, an 11 year old. Well, how many, how many young kids actually enjoy running all that much, especially when it's over even over a mile, like doing a, doing, right. going to, and doing a 5k, right. It's like, eh. no, it's, it's miserable. <laughs> it's miserable. But the thing is, and this is what I, what I've told people, because I have some friends who are trying to get into running. And the thing with running is it, it has a very tough barrier of entry. It doesn't get fun for like, for a couple of years, I think. Yeah. Uh, I would agree with that. <laughs> but yeah. And in, in high school, I started taking running more seriously. I was on the track team. I wrestled in the winter, but I always took running seriously. And then I uh, did it in college for two years. And then uh, my second year of college, I got injured and I couldn't run for a while. But uh, when I got back into it, I was no longer on the NCAA team. And that's when I was like, well, I have uh, no races to train for. So let me uh, set my sights on an ultra. Like I, uh, I set my sights on rim to rim to rim okay. at the Grand Canyon yep. and uh, began training for that. And that was my first one. And then it's just been a spiral of insanity ever since. So you, um, if I remember reading correctly, you went to school in Durango, right? For a couple of years and then we're living in Boulder for a while. Right? Yeah, I went to uh, Fort Lewis College in Durango for two years, and then I transferred to the University of Colorado. Okay. What a great spot to uh, get into the endurance category, right? And into the ultra running and stuff. Like, I, I'm fortunate enough that uh, I put on races out in Colorado during the summertime. So, and I, I used to live in Boulder uh, for five years from like 2001 to 2005. And that's how I got into the sport as well. And just, I mean, if you're going to get into it and, and start running longer distances, I mean, that is the, the epitome of the best place to, to do it. I think a hundred percent. And a lot of it is like in uh, where I grew up in New York and that's where I live now. Uh, the ultra marathon is not as popular. Like in high school, the marathon was the gold standard. And then when I went to Durango, I met these people running hundreds of miles at a time. And it opened up new doors for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing though. I think, uh, the ultra category really took off about 10 years ago, right? It's, it's still relatively new and, and you're right. The, the marathon has been the gold standard for the longest time. And now it's more and more is <laughs> getting into now we've got 200 mile races, right? <laughs> it's right. It's, it's, it's <laughs> so marathon is is still in that sense, a really high level to go with. But now it's like, if you really want to push yourself, you're getting into the hundred, 200 mile distances and stuff. So it's, it's crazy. So what, uh, did you end up doing a lot of, uh, like when you were all, oh, let me back up when you were in the cross country and, and running in college, you're not doing the longer distance stuff. You're doing more short stuff though. Right. Yeah, we were training for AK 10 K. Okay. So yeah, you weren't, you weren't doing any kind of training for longer stuff. So no. what, what got you, like, what was kind of the mindset and saying, okay, we're good. I'm used to doing the 10 K now I'm jumping into the ultra. Did you instantly jump into doing the rim to rim to rim? Like, cause that's a, was it uh rim to rim is 46. Something like uh, the whole thing is 46. It's the whole thing is 46. One way. Yeah. Okay. It's 23 one way. And then you turn around and it's 23 back. Yeah. So what was, 
how did your mindset and your, and your training kind of shift from doing like shorter 10 K distances to then jumping right into doing the rim to rim to rim? It was confusing. Well, first off, when I, when I started ultra running, I didn't really, I wasn't that good at training for it. It's like when you first start anything, Yeah, uh, you know, it takes time to figure it out, but yeah, it was definitely, uh, an awkward transition for sure. Running super slowly for long <laughs> periods of time. Yeah. And, um, it, yeah, it was something I wasn't used to, but I just, in the beginning, I remember taking it really slowly walking if I needed to just getting used to being on my feet for long periods of time and not worrying about, you know, going sub sevens for my runs and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, what's, so it, I mean, it even comes from the men, the mental aspect of it and the nutrition side of things. So how much of a, how much of a challenge did you experience shifting your mindset even into going past a certain distance and being like, Oh shit, I just, I just did 20, you know, 25 miles, 30 miles now, 40 miles. Like what's like, how are you shifting your mindset too in that, in that perspective? Yeah. What I've noticed is that just like when you do, when you hit one barrier, then it opens up a door for another barrier. And it, it doesn't seem as crazy once you do it enough times. So I guess that the answer is just exposure, just exposing your body to the, to the mileage. Now, did you ever, um, did you ever do any, have you done any ultra races at all? Or it's just, everything has just been kind of a self, uh, self, uh, experience, so to speak. Um, mostly self I've done, uh, I did one fifty K in college. It was, uh, the mad moose trail series in Gunnison. Yeah. I know those guys. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I did, I did that in college and that was a great race. We had a lot of fun. I went with my roommate, but, uh, yeah, it was most, it's mostly just been solo expeditions. That's cool. You know, it's, I was thinking about this, uh, earlier, I was talking to some friends, but you know, more and more of this stuff has kind of been popping up. I think a because of the pandemic right you didn't have a lot of races happening people were trying to find something to do and so now you're, you're kind of hearing more and more people starting to get into you know the self-supported type of challenge or, or, or experience so i mean it's it's quite interesting and, and that's why i think that's where the fkts have even taken off even more right and how people have like wanted to test themselves in that you know perspective so let's talk about so i again i the main thing I want to get into is Greece, but there's a little bit of backing here. So you ended up, you ended up doing it. Correct me if I'm, I can't, uh, the timing. So you ran across the state of New York first, or did you do the bike from Florida to Alaska first? What was the, what was the, yeah, it was the, uh, the bike from Florida to Alaska. And then, uh, soon after that, I did a smaller run, a 300 mile run. Okay. Uh, from Las Vegas to San Diego. Okay. And then about 10 months after that was New York. Okay. So what got you, so, uh, we'll talk about the bike first. Like what got you into going from doing rim to rim to rim and ultra runs to back in now, now you're doing, now you're doing an ultra bike event. Like, and then not only just one bike, you're crossing two countries and almost a full continent. So it's what, six thousand ish miles right on on bike yeah yeah that yeah it's a lot <laughs> um as far as what got me into that like i said before when whenever you first start something you're you're not it takes time to learn how to execute properly yeah. and i started ultra running my nutrition wasn't that great uh my training wasn't spot on 
and I got injured. Thought, like now that I have experience, I see why I got injured. It makes sense. Yeah. But I injured myself. I overtrained and uh, I went to a physical therapist and he suggested I try cycling for a bit just to let my leg heal. It was a minor injury. Yeah. And spring break was coming up. I had no plans. So I said, okay, I'm going to ride my bike from Colorado to California. Like, I'm just going to leave my apartment, ride to California. I'll take it. Yeah, just on a whim, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. And in my head, I'm like, oh, this is great. Like, I'm used to running. Cycling is going to be so nice. Like, I'm going to sit on the saddle. You know, I'm going to be able to cover so much more distance, so much faster. And it was an absolute mess. Like, first off, Doing it self-supported is a whole new logistical challenge. I had never ridden a bike with luggage. Riding a bike with luggage is a challenge. Yeah. And I couldn't cross the Rockies. It. I ended up after five days. Imagine this. I have nine days to complete the trip. After five days, I'm in Albuquerque. So you, <laughs> so you went straight south. I went straight south because every attempt to cross the Rocky Mountains was an absolute failure. So I just like kept trying and then was like, okay, I'll just go around them. And I'm in Albuquerque. I'm like, crap, like I have to get to San Diego for my return flight because I'm in college. I was I had no money to you know be paying for more flights. So yeah, I ended up having a hitchhike like 600 miles with a bicycle. It it was oh God. a mess. And then when I got back from that trip. Like really thought about it. And I'm like, that was a mess. You were unprepared for everything. But what if instead of doing these haphazard random events, you like really spent a year dedicating yourself to one thing, studying, learning how to properly prepare for something and then executing. I bet I could do something real big. Because even though I I was didn't have much cycling experience, I still covered uh I think it was I'd have to look. It was around 800 miles or so on a bicycle with not much biking experience. I mean, I wasn't any good, but I was like, if I can really focus and prepare properly, I think I could do the whole continent. And that that's when things started to come together. I got super organized. Every, every part of my life was organized and my training was flawless. Was it Florida to Alaska or Alaska to Florida? Cause I've seen both. Yeah. I did Florida to Alaska. I guess the, the biggest thing, like, so, like you're self-supporting for the most part. Right. So how many in, in a 6,000 mile, how many bike, uh, bike tubes did you go through? Oh my God. I mean, honestly, cause honestly, like I, just from you know, taking it back to Justin, like Justin was going across Texas and he got eight flats in, in a matter of two days. I'm like, so how many, how many bike tubes are you having to deal with or, or bike issues that you're having to deal with just trying to get up to, you know, South Dakota <laughs> before you right. even cross over to the, over to the, into Canada. Like, what's, oh, it was, it was insane. So, so many bike issues. So many, there were, there were times where I had to just get off the bike and start running. I got to run next to my bike. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yeah. So, so many bike issues, but you gradually learn how to fix them. I mean, you, you almost have to, you get into parts of Canada, I would guess into almost into a, almost Alaska where there's no, you don't really have any towns or anything to go to right. go with. Right. So you pretty much have to figure it out on your own. What was, what was some of the biggest challenges you, you experienced outside, outside of bike issues? What were some of the 
other big challenges you you faced? Uh, in the Great Plains, the wind, because uh, it's a constant constant westwardly yeah. wind. See, in the in the Arctic, uh, definitely the cold was challenging. Uh, the mud. I had to actually ditch all my things in the Arctic. Uh, it was a haphazard decision, but I went nine days, super minimal, uh, like no camping gear, no very little food, just like as minimal as it can get. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, the Arctic was definitely the most challenging thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, so it, I almost view that as a whole separate experience. Well, I'm sure. Like Grand finale. That was like a wild. Was that the final nine days that you did? It was the going through the Arctic mm-hmm. aspect of it? Yeah. So uh, uh, Alaska is either, A, it's all light the entire way, or it's dark the entire way, pretty much. What, light the entire way. Which I guess is good if you're having to, if you're doing a challenge like this, you would hate to be stuck where it's only one hour or two hours of daylight and trying to navigate this stuff in the dark. It still mess. It still messes with you. Cause um, so what happened there was I got to right outside the Arctic circle and the weather was terrible. And up there, there's very little pavement. It's mostly dirt roads and the mud was too deep to drag my bike trailer. The tire wouldn't spin. Right. So I sat in my tent for I think an entire day and I'm starting to lose it. And I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to go straight shot to Prudhoe Bay. <laughs> I grabbed like only the essentials and picked up my bike on my shoulder and ran 20 miles holding my bike. A little cycle cross action. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just to get out of the mud. It was 20 miles. <laughs> and then I started cycling and Around mile 80 for that day, I started to like break down and I was like, oh my goodness, like I don't have my tent. It's freezing. I don't have my sleeping gear. And that was my first night just like lying on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing, completely exposed. I was terrified of bears. I I had to sleep with music playing. So bears wouldn't. So yeah, they wouldn't come, come around. Yeah, and get my food and stuff and the little food I had. Oh yeah, it was a it was a mess up there, but yeah, it took me nine days, and then I made it to Prudhoe Bay. And it's, I mean, you don't have, and I think you said like you didn't have any kind of service whatsoever. So it's kind of one of those things, like right, you were kind of just out in the out in the wild by yourself, just trying to navigate this thing. So yeah, adds adds an extra mental layer onto it. Of I don't have my cell phone to nine one one, or what do you do? Like. <laughs> 100%. No one could get a hold of me. No one knew where I was. I was just, I was up there. Jumping from that experience to uh, your run across New York State, how did your bike experience help you out with then your your New York State run? Well, I had a whole new perspective for distance. So now, now that I biked 6,000 miles, it a 30-mile run doesn't seem outrageous anymore. Yeah. And what was the, what was the time separation between... Uh, doing the two. Cause I know you said you did a 300 mile run between Vegas and San Diego. Mm-hmm. So what was your, what was the, the time differences between getting finished with the bike, jumping into the 300 mile run and then over to doing the New York state? What was, what's the timeline there? Yeah, I did the, uh, the 300 mile run in November. So I finished up the bike ride in August. I uh, did the run in November and then I did New York state the next August. And this is 2020 at that point. Yeah, I did the run in 2020, New York run in 2020. Mm-hmm. Okay, wow. 
Wow. So there's not, not much time. It's pretty much just go from one, one challenge to the next pretty much. Yeah. Back to back to back. And did you notice any, when you were doing the, the 300 mile or even into the, the New York state run, how your leg, did you have any issues with like legs? <laughs> like, how, like, cause it's different. It's a completely different training. Right. So I'm sure that you've now biked 6,000 miles trying to acclimate your legs to running now 300 miles and even further. I mean, it's gotta be a little bit of a, how long did that take you to kind of get back into that? It was actually pretty quick. Uh, I think the having that much time on the saddle just gave me such, and I know running is an impact sport, so there is that transition, but for me, it actually wasn't that bad. I was running further and better than I ever have in my life after that bike ride. And I think it's mainly because my endurance was, was so good. Yeah. Doing that, your endurance is top notch. And like I said, it was mainly a mental thing of like 20, 30 miles no longer feels crazy. You know, from the run from in New York state, uh, cause you, you live there, as you said. So what was your, uh, point to point in, in this, in New York state? Uh, my point, I went from Niagara Falls, so right outside Canada, to Montauk Point, which is the easternmost point on Long Island. Got it. And that what's that? It's about 565 miles. Okay. So it's not, it's actually not much longer than it was from running from Vegas to San Diego. So it's. No, it was, it was more. Yeah. You're tacking on an extra couple hundred miles, which is a lot. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but, but yeah, you're running in, in for a, weeks. It's like, okay. Yeah. So what was, um, what was some of the challenges that you experienced there in, in New York state? Uh, in New York, I was physically, I was really prepared and I didn't encounter many issues. Uh, there's always the police issues. If you watch my video, cause I push a baby stroller. So the police think I'm a bad parent on the side of the highway, just aggressively <laughs> pushing my babies in the <laughs> so I have to constantly explain to the police officers, like, no, I'm just doing this run for charity. And uh, there's no, there's no babies in here. <laughs> just, just my, uh, just my gear. But that was a very well executed run. And uh, my average for the day was just under, my average per day was just under 40. It was under 40 miles per day for two weeks. And uh, I ended with a big finale. I think it was 102 miles on the last day. Huh. So I was, that was a really well executed run. For my, no major injuries, nothing. It was good. Was, so from the Greece perspective and, and doing the, was, was, were you looking at New York State as kind of a training? Uh, training run for, for Greece. Was that even a, a thought process in your mind at that time? Or was this something no. that Greece came about completely after New York? Yeah, State? Greece was not on the radar till much later. I, I did New York to do New York. It had nothing to do with Greece. So you get done with New York, you're looking for your next challenge. And why Greece? 
is I got done with New York. I wasn't even looking for the next challenge. I was just like, all right, like now I'm going to, you know, run, stay in shape. I'll uh, start getting into weightlifting just so, you know, I was really skinny after running across New York. So I'm like, all right, I'll, you know, put some muscle on, you know, just be a person for a bit. <laughs> live, a, live a regular life. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know, to maintain a job, lift, be in shape, be healthy, have a social life. I don't know, be a person, like I said. And, and then uh, I didn't even consider doing Greece until it was about a year and a month later, about 13 months later after New York. So September of 21 was when I had the Greece idea and Greece is just a crazy, did you watch all the videos in Greece? I watched most, I got through most of them. Yeah. Um, it's just like a ridiculous trip. <laughs> so the, what, was, what, what really interests me, a, I just got back from there on vacation. So it's, it, it completely interests me in, in some of the landscape and, and the language barriers and stuff, but looking at Greece, how did you, cause you started in, uh, Alexandropoli. I think yeah. I said that right. I, I think I said that right. Which yeah. is for anybody who doesn't, who's not familiar with Greece, uh, geography, it's on the very northeastern side of the country, right. By Turkey. Mm -hmm. um, relatively next to Turkey. And then you went all the way to Sparta, which way, way, way down South in, in the country. Right. And so what was, it had to have been really tough trying to figure out the, the, the route for that. And how much time did you spend putting in like, okay, I need to go point A to point B. Here's where we're going to stay. Like, are you crossing, you know, are you worried about crossing over private property at that point in time? Like how, how long did you take, did it take you to navigate the the course before you actually went? Uh, I spent a good amount of time. I think I spent like, I don't know, I spent like a couple hours researching it and I had a friend who goes to Greece a lot. So uh, she helped me kind of map things out, but even then the road conditions aren't as good in a lot of the country. Well, yeah, they are in, let's say New York, my last run. So that, that was a challenge. And you can't run on the interstates. Or not, they're not interstates, but you can't run on the major highways. Okay. In Greece. So there are a lot of dirt roads, a lot of uh, unmaintained roads. And an issue with that was I had a big baby stroller for that trip. Twins. I had twins. Yeah. For this one. yeah twin <laughs> <laughs> a lot of gear I needed to push. Yeah, I'm so, sure. So that led to, so, to some issues. But um, yeah, as far as the, the inspiration for that one, it, it kind of came out of nowhere. I watched the movie 300 mm -hmm. and I was like, wow, that's like, that's really badass. And sort of had this like idea of like, wow, like it would be cool to be like that. But like, you know, I'm <laughs> like super ripped, wearing a cape. Doing but, you know, I, I have a normal life in New York right now. I can't just become a Spartan. But I was like, well, I could I don't know, run across Greece, put on a cape at the end, <laughs> make a movie about it. I can do that. So, <laughs> so that, that was kind of the inspiration. Wow. And what was the, what was the full mileage of that uh, from point, point A to point B? Yeah, I think it was about 620 miles, a uh, thousand kilometers. Okay. Which it, as, it, as you said, you're not able to run on regular highway or freeways there in Greece. So you're, some of the videos I saw, you were trekking through ankle calf deep mud 
in, in some areas, like, <laughs> so, <laughs> so let's, let's, let's start kind of from the beginning. Like, uh, cause I'm quite curious, like even just as a regular traveler going from San Diego to Athens, I mean, it's a huge, and for, from New York to Athens, it's not as bad. You got three hours extra on us, but the travel aspect of it going from, I think you, you said you went through from New York to Turkey to Athens, and then you had to get another plane out to go out to the small areas of Greece. Like from a travel perspective, like your body just gets wrecked on that. Oh yeah. Like, so what's your mentality? Cause I don't, what time did you land? Cause I think you started the next day, right. Running like mentally and physically, like how exhausted were you just even getting started? I was exhausted. I actually delayed the trip a day. So I got there at night and was going to start the next day. And then I, I was super jet lagged. So I was just like, all right. Awesome. I'll, okay. That, that makes me, okay. That makes me feel a little bit better. I was like, yeah, there's no, no way, there is no way that he started the, the, the next morning. Like, Cause <laughs> it was a lot. I, I got there and then, um, it was late at night and I, uh, I document the whole, the whole trip. I, I do uh filmmaking for fun. So I was like, all right, I have to edit tonight, today's video, the travel video. And that took me a few hours. Yeah. And then I'm like, there's no way I'm starting this run like this morning. At that point it was like three in the morning and I was wide awake because I was on New York times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'll, I'll take an extra day and then start. I think it'll be better for me. Yeah. That's what I did. I mean, I, I, yeah. Even, and even, even just taking that 24 hours is, is still kind of rough. I mean, you're, it takes a couple of days to actually adjust the, what I experienced in Greece is there's a, there is a lot of English speaking individuals there and it, it wasn't too bad, but that was mainly in the South, you know, tourist, more tourism areas, Athens and, and the islands and stuff. What did you end up having to deal with the language barrier and how, how do you go about doing that? I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, trying to ask for directions to get here and you know to and from, or how do you get to a certain road? I think it has to be kind of tough because you're a you're also sitting here trying to explain what you're doing. Oh yeah, it's got to be looking at you like, what are you? <laughs> what are you talking about? Right, and they they open up my stroller to wave to the babies, and I'm like, like how do you explain it? I learned it. It's actually a my marathon dromo paganos di sparti. That's what I learned. I'm a marathon runner going to Sparta, which when you're in Northern Greece where there's no tourists is still a weird thing. Well, I'm sure. Like, because there were uh, farmers up there, a lot of farmers and mm -hmm. and they would stop me and ask me questions. And you say that to them, it still doesn't even make sense. Like, why would you want to run all the way to Sparta? Yeah. It, it, you know, that's, I guess I, I can, I can kind of see that in the small town mentality of like, why? <laughs> right. Why? <laughs> and on top of that, actually, I had a friend watching who spoke fluent Greek. So a lot of times she would help me translate. If I was in an emergency, I could FaceTime her okay. and she would help me. Uh, but she said in Northern Greece, she couldn't even understand them because uh, it was a heavy Turkish dialect. Okay. I was going to ask, I mean, cause it's like that in some other countries where if you get real close to some of the other borders that it, it's a completely different dialect or you know like it is here i mean it's it's tough so <laughs> right um i noticed with the language barrier like i i study spanish like i need to i'm trying to become fluent in spanish so i would try to talk greek and then automatically start talking in spanish like in my head because i'm 
like, oh, it's a foreign language. And I'm like, no, no, this isn't Spain. <laughs> Top of the Spanish. You can't speak Spanish. You can't speak English. You're completely lost. Yeah. <laughs> How many days did it, were you looking at doing it? Like, what was your schedule as trying to complete it? And then how, how many days were you off as far as actually finishing? Uh, I was way off. I, ma- I mapped it out 17 days thinking it would be similar to, I'd be able to maintain a similar pace that I did in New York. Mm-hmm. I actually had to push my flight back a day and I gave myself an extra week. It took me like 22 oh, days. Wow. Yeah. It took me 22 days to complete the whole journey. And uh, yeah, a lot of that was the road conditions, the weight of all my gear. So I brought a lot of stuff on that trip and it was, it was self-supported. So it took longer. And how many miles do you end up doing average per day? Uh, average per day, uh, just under 30. Okay. So you're still, you're still pushing and do some of that stuff. I mean, I'm quite curious. I, with a lot of the dirt, so I, I, again, I watched some of the videos and you're trekking through some of the the muddy dirt areas, like is, is a lot of that, is some of that private property that you're going through and having to talk to people about that? Or is it, that's just all government land that you're trekking through? No, I, I, I wasn't on any private property. Those, those were, uh, those were actual, actual roads. Actual roads. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't know, uh, there was, there was one road. I remember where, uh, there was a big bridge. It was like a terrible dirt road and then a bridge and it was a it was an old unmaintained bridge, and there were planks of wood spaced with huge gaps, and there was a massive drop, and uh, it took me three hours to cross it. Oh my god! Because I had to make multiple trips, so I I would carry my bags, and I'd have to slowly walk plank to plank to plank. I got to one side, I'd have to go back, get more stuff, go back, and eventually carry the stroller the whole way. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, it's just stuff like that constantly, just constant optical obstacles. And then, you know, later that same day I got arrested. Wait, what? (laughs) So I spent three hours, imagine this, I spent three hours trying to cross this bridge. And then finally I'm like back on my feet running and two miles later I got arrested. For what? It was, uh, I wasn't allowed to run at night. Oh, really? Yeah, it, at that point, it uh, my friend from Greece was telling me the whole time, Alex, you can't run at night in that country. You can't. It's too dangerous. But in my head, I'm like, oh, my goodness, I just lost so much time trying to cross this bridge. I have no choice. Right. So I hopped on the roads and um, you know, the police stopped me. They didn't speak a lick of English. And so I'm FaceTiming my friend. Like, oh, you got to talk to these police officers. Like, I don't know what they're trying to say. <laughs> and if they give the phone back and she basically says, they're going to take you. I convinced them to take you to a nearby lodge instead of arresting you. Wow. I, I had no idea you couldn't run there during the evening time, but I guess I, I can kind of see that it's, it's gotta be a little bit too dangerous. I mean, considering road conditions and how narrow some of those roads are. It's uh, it's unsafe. And, um, and that happened multiple times. I got, taken away in police cars set on several occasions uh, during that trip. But every time I, m- I made up the mileage. So like when they arrest, when they took me away yeah. the next day, I took a taxi back to that point. Okay, I was going to ask. Yeah. I was, yeah no, I don't, 
I don't mess around. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing is complete messing around, but when it comes to completing the whole journey, I don't mess around. But, oh my gosh. And so, but you didn't have, you didn't, you weren't detained for anything longer than an hour or so just for them to take you back to a different lodge area. Is that, so you didn't yeah. worry about being in a, in a jail for overnight or anything like that? No, I didn't, I didn't get put in a jail, luckily. Um, on one other occasion, it, it was a little bit worse than that. Uh, they, they, there was one big road in Fur Canyon that I just was not allowed to be on, but it was the only way to get to the next city. Okay. And so I tried one day cops. I got so far along that road. They put me in the car, brought me back to where I started. So imagine I just ran 22 miles for nothing oh, shit. that day. I ran 22 miles and made zero forward progress. <laughs> I was like, I have what, no What a mental mind fuck right there. Like that's just <laughs> de- oh, it's nuts. depleting for sure. And how, like how far into the run were you at that point? Like how many days? Uh, I forget how many days that was. That must've been, that must've been around a week and a half, two weeks around that point. Oh, so yeah. So you're, you're deep into the run and, oh, you're, and you're, yeah, you're, you're mentally and physically just getting drained. And then something like that happens where, like you said, you ran 22 miles, but didn't make any forward progress on, <laughs> on anything. So that, so that day uh, I, at the time, also, I had a pretty bad ankle injury. Okay. Uh, I don't know what it was. I probably a stress fracture. Is it was, you know, all puffed up right around the ankle bone where you would typically see a stress fracture and to run 22 miles for nothing. I'm limping. Like I'm not running. I'm limping to run 22 miles for nothing was a huge, huge block. Yeah. When you have a stress fracture and I actually, the whole trip, when I was making videos as I went and I would reference the movie 300. Okay. Yeah. And for that one, I used the line, like never surrender. Yeah, that, was, that was like a big theme in the movie, like yeah. surrender. So I was like, all right, you wanted this. <laughs> You're here. You can't stop now. <laughs> you can't surrender. Uh, so, so I, I kept pushing through, but I think on that day, those two days I got stopped by like, I think eight police, separate police officers. Well, I, <laughs> and it's probably, and it's, it's probably the same. It's, it's obviously the same story every single time. Right. It's like trying to like, Hey, I'm just trying to get to Sparta. You know, I, but to, to that though, I, what I noticed in Greece is the hospitality there is second to none. Like even anybody we ever ran into and we were obviously we were in more of the touristy areas and stuff, but like we had so many people that were just willing to give us information as far as like, Oh, you should go check this out or go check that out. Or this is what my village is all about. Like, did you run into a lot of that along? Oh, absolutely. I mean, being up in that, in the areas where there's not a lot of tourism, they probably in some regard didn't really understand what you're doing, but at the same time, probably were, wanted to talk you up a little bit and, and see what, and, and, and just know what, what was going on. Right. A hundred percent. They were some of the, the nicest people I've ever met in, in those small villages. I had people, uh, once I, they did understand what I was doing, they would take me in, feed me. Um, I had a lot of great experiences 
with the with the Greek people, like you said, their hospitality was phenomenal. And even I talk about the police officers holding me back and stuff. Even they were super nice, and they weren't like trying to stop me necessarily. They were just right. concerned. They yeah. were doing it out of worry, and they were yeah. also they were super nice people. Um, but yeah, so, some of the nicest, most helpful people in Greece. It was really special. Yeah. Well, and you you definitely probably weren't lacking any good food along your, your route either. Right. I mean, obviously you're not stopping at every little restaurant to get a nice meal, but you're definitely not lacking in bad food in Greece for sure. Oh no. I mean, I had some challenges in uh, the small towns cause I am vegan and uh, that's hard. It, it's uh, hard to explain in foreign countries sometimes. Yeah. They, yeah. They don't really understand really what vegan truly is i don't think in a lot of foreign countries like greece because it's <laughs> they eat right. so clean they eat so clean anyway from from what they make regardless so it's it's kind of tough but um, yeah i like i in some of the bigger towns no issues at all it was the yeah. food was phenomenal it was only in like the very small rural towns yeah. where i had to really like figure out how to explain it <laughs> now it, on your route down did you go through athens and cruise through some of the the historical areas as you're as you're going by because that's to me it's that would be kind of part of the entire adventure is running where the the first marathon kind of happened right did you have a chance to experience some of that stuff oh man you're making me feel stupid no i didn't oh no and the reason is i wanted to and i was planning on doing it but like i said i by the uh two week point i had a what's appeared to be a stress fracture yeah and i was running out of time because of all different circumstances yeah and i was like i just have to make it to sparta just got to beeline it right to sparta right so. and it, it almost felt kind of stupid that like i did this thing because i saw the movie 300 and you know greece is has such a great history with running with sports in general. And I felt like I didn't do anything historical. Like I didn't do the original marathon. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't able to stop in Thermopylae. <laughs> the trip started getting crazy. Like, well, I'm, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure it'd been probably a little bit different for you if you'd started in Sparta and gone North. Right. Cause then you're, you're not two weeks into your trip already and thinking about, and, but going from being that you're on your lat, you've, you've already done two weeks, your ankles hurting you. Like I can see how you like mentally, you're just like, I just need to get this thing done and get out of it. Like, and right. Yeah. Get, on right. The, get back on the road. So, <laughs> time. Well, yeah. ne- next time, you know, next time next you're time there. Marathon <laughs> is definitely on my bucket list for a future event. But, <laughs> That's, that's kind of my, my style with all these adventures is I just pick the one first far point to the other far point. Yeah. Like opposite ends of any nation or uh, state or wherever I'm going. And that's my route. So I, we didn't ever have a chance to go down to that part of the country, like getting into Sparta. I mean, A, that mentally just must've been just like a, Oh my God, thank God I'm here. But it's also got to be kind of, for you, because you're, you're basing everything off the movie 300, it's gotta be kind of nostalgic in a, in a sense as well. Right. Even though you're as tired as you are, I saw you running around with the Cape on your back, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that was the most epic night of my life. 
I like, I, um, how did it go? So I had to do 95 miles in one shot. Okay. Cause I had a plane to catch. And so I was in Lutraki, Greece. I had spent uh, a, a night there. Then the next morning I started real early. I was like, I have to do 95 miles. And I just went with only the essentials. I just had my backpack on and you know, the Cape was in the backpack, of course. Uh, <laughs> and I ran for so long. Yeah. It took me, took me a while going through those mountains. And then, um, I had some pretty bad weather throughout the night. Got really I was going to ask. Yeah. I saw that video where it got below freezing, right? It got below uh, 30 degrees and you were out in, in just a little jacket. And <laughs> oh my yeah, that was, it was such a brutal night because, um, uh, you know, I, I had ascended a lot going up, going through those mountains and, um, it was foggy and rainy and freezing and I, I wasn't prepared for those conditions. Uh, so it definitely took a toll on me. That was a mental block. And the biggest thing was just trying to stay awake to keep I'm pushing. sure because when you're, when it's that cold out, it's not like you can stop for an hour or two and, and rest because you're, it's not going to do you any good trying to get back up and get going. I mean, you could freeze to death out there. Yeah, no, it was, it was like kind of torturous because you're, you can't run anymore because you're so tired. But then as soon as you stop, you're too cold to stop. So it was, I had to balance it. So, in, you know, in that video, I said I was doing like seven and seven minute power naps. Uh, it's like all my body could take, <laughs> like staying still. And yeah, the whole night was just going as far as I could, laying down for a few minutes, going as far as I could, laying down for a few minutes. And then once the sun came up, I was at around mile 70. Okay. And in 25 miles to go, didn't seem so outrageous at that time. And I got to Sparta as the sun was starting to set. It was around 5 PM Okay. and I was freezing, but I was like, all right, you got to take off your clothes. You got to put on the Cape, set up the camera. Like right <laughs> now, this is what you, this is what you've been this, trading for. Yeah, this, is, this is the moment right here. And if you don't do it yeah. now, <laughs> it's all for nothing. <laughs> so, so I was there in the ancient Sparta, the ruins, and I stood up on like a, you know, a little cliffside and just yelled, this is Sparta, just like in the movie. <laughs> it was like the most epic, it was the most epic thing ever. I was like, wow, I really just did that. Well, it, well, it, it, it makes the journey all worth it to be able to do something like that though. I mean, it's so very cool, man. Well, <laughs> and you were able to like, obviously you're able to then make it to your flight at that point in time. Right. You, you didn't have to reschedule your flight another time. You made the 95 miles in that night that you needed to. <laughs> yeah. Now imagine how hilarious that is. It's like, I just finished up this massive run and I don't have a support crew or anybody with me. So it's like, I'm exhausted. All right. Now you have four hours of taxi rides. Oh shit. Yeah. I forgot about that. Cause you, you got a hotel uh, for a few nights back where you started before you started that 95 trek. Right. So you had to make it back there. Yeah. So imagine this, I'm walking down the hillside wearing a cape. I look ridiculous. And it's just like, I just finished this like grand journey. And I'm just like taxi <laughs> I'm wearing a cape and the taxi driver's just like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> like I need to go back to New York. <laughs> Stupid Americans. What the heck? <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, adventure of a lifetime for sure. It had it had to be up there on top of your list for sure. Oh, it was so much fun. It, like there were a lot of challenges. It was really difficult. Uh, it took a toll on my body, but I look back at it and I'm like, that was the best thing ever. Well, I mean, fun. yeah, you're 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 super young. You're what 24, 25 ish somewhere in there. Yeah, so perfect thing to. I wish I would have been doing something like that when I was 24, you know, that's, it's kind of an adventure of a lifetime for sure. So what, um, what's next? What do you, have you got anything in the works now as far as in your next challenge? I, I just have ideas, but I mean, I'm not, I don't have anything in mind yet. Nothing that you could, you'd want to talk about. Nothing that I'm going to commit to. On have a framed photo of me wearing the cape right in front of me, like in my office where I'm sitting now. <laughs> it's like a reminder of how ridiculous I am. But yeah, yeah no, I think I need to uh, take a, a small break before <laughs> before I commit to something else. Well, Alex, I I uh, I'll let you go, man. It's it's been fun talking to you. I know we got uh, you got other things going on for this weekend, but um, thank you for sharing your journey, and and I'll definitely be watching out. Uh, for your next challenge when, whenever you get ready to film it. And, and I would all do for anybody listening in, if you want to check out any of Alex's videos, uh, I'll put his social media and his YouTube channel into the show notes. That way you guys can go check out his videos. Cause if you haven't seen them yet, they're, they're really fun to watch um, <laughs> from just an outsider looking in uh, and some of the stuff he had to go through. Yeah. It's really, it's really fun videos. And I hope I wish you the best of luck and, and you're more filmmaking and editing. I think you're doing now regularly and stuff. So good luck with you on, on professionally and, and next challenge come up to. Thank you so much. This is a lot of fun. All right, that did for another episode of the Trail Life Podcast. A special shout out to Alex Peckoff for joining me today. What a story, what a journey. Um, I've got so much respect for uh, individuals like Alex uh, who go out there, they challenge themselves both mentally and physically and in a different categories. So biking from Florida to Alaska, 6,000 miles through the Arctic, uh, and then to turn around and run across Greece where total language barrier, you don't know truly what the roads are going to look like. I mean, you can't run on at nighttime um, because it's too dangerous. So yeah, total respect for that. And I appreciate him for sharing. I hope you guys enjoyed his journey and I appreciate you listening in. Thank you. And I will see you out on the trails real soon. The Trail Life Podcast is presented by Solomon. For 75 years, their passion for outdoor sports, new technologies, and craftsmanship have driven them to create progressive gear to enable you to freely enjoy and challenge yourself in the great outdoors. Today, Solomon has an incredible lineup of road and trail running footwear and hydration gear, perfect for any runner on any terrain, no matter the challenge. Check them out today at your local running store like Runner's Roost or on Solomon.com. The Trail Life Podcast is supported by Crisp Refreshing Polar Seltzer. Premium seltzer with just water, all natural fruit essences, and zillions of tiny bubbles. Polar seltzer is a naturally calorie-free with no sweetener sodium, family made since 1882. That's 140 years of making bubbles. Why be flat when you can sparkle? Looking for a polar near you? Go to polarseltzer.com or visit your local grocery store.
Music for the Trail Life Podcast is provided by the Poor Dirty Astronauts with lyrics written by Matt Meyer.